I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona, because there is a big wildfire on Highway 89, which is where I was headed. So I've joined a bunch of other refugees. People have been evacuated, as well as uh, you just can't go any further north, so uh, we just have to wait. And so I'm actually going to spend the night in a Cracker Barrel parking lot for the first time. And... <laughs> It's really windy, which is why this fire is a problem. This is, it's, it's a wildfire just about six miles north, straight north out of uh, Flagstaff. Everybody in town can see it. It looks like it's getting a little bit better, but uh, I have no interest in, in uh, sort of continuing the uh, travel uh, in the late afternoon. So I'm gonna tell you how it came to be that I came down here and got myself into this uh, forest fire issue and some other stuff as we talk about forest fires near Flagstaff. An actual news story in podcast 1058, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Yes, I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona, watching them fight this fire that was kicked up at about 10 o'clock this morning. And it's really cool. I've never experienced this before. What they do is they evacuate people from these areas where there's a problem. Uh, and they close highways and everything else, but it's really cool to see the aircraft. Uh, there have been planes in and out of there all day long, dropping, uh, retardant, and I don't know how many firefighters are up there, but that is what I'm doing out here, and uh, I'll be heading north after this. Thank you for supporting the Bob Davis Podcast through your donations at thebobdavispodcast.com. All you have to do is go to thebobdavispodcast.com. Uh, look for the picture of mobile podcast command there's a big yellow donate button click on it takes you to paypal you can set up a monthly donation as many have and i will thank you uh on future podcasts as well as um you can just you know make any donation that you want it goes right in the tank generally speaking and i really really appreciate um those donations i hardly ever actually explain where i am using a map because I find that boring, but people seem to want to know. So I'm heading north on Highway 89 slowly, traveling slowly in the Coconino National Forest. All the campgrounds in uh, Sedona or near Sedona, so if you go on 89, you go through Sedona, then you go up, I don't know how many miles, it can't be that far, and there's a bunch of uh, United States Forest Service campgrounds that you pay. They're pay campgrounds. One of them is called uh, Cave Creek, I think. And on the way up, I stopped into the ranger's office. Just as you get out of Sedona, then you start to run into these little mountain clusters of buildings, ice cream shops, and stuff like that. And then there's a ranger station there. So I stopped into the ranger station and talked to the ranger. Because I was under the impression that you could buy a you know a year forest service pass, and then I wouldn't have to pay if I went to forest service camps where you were required to pay. No, you can't, she said. I it's kind of like um, a unicorn. People keep saying you can, but every time I talk to a ranger, they say no, no, no. These these year passes are for the fee areas, which are the one day or day use fee areas, not the campgrounds. So. But we were talking, and she said, uh, I was in Alaska for many, many years, and I was down here for many years, and I begged the for I begged the park service to let me come down here and be a ranger because Sedona is now 
I'm from Sedona, and Sedona is now so crazy busy that we have, I think she said something like over 3 million visitors a year in a very short season in this particular area. So you got camped, you got uh, cramped campgrounds. You can't get in if you don't have a reservation. And the only reason I was able to camp at Cave Creek was because uh, last year was because uh, it was October. So the season was over and it was pretty cold at night and the there was room in fact there were still a lot of reservations up there but i was able to get in so the park ranger basically said it is so difficult and we find ourselves having to explain the rules over and over and over again to people and they just don't seem to listen and so i wanted to come and be a ranger here even though i'm kind of retired uh, just to just to kind of help out. So she goes, I live across the street, and, and I do this. So that kind of sets the stage for what um, what the, the the summer travel experience is for many people. And and I don't know why Americans do it. Um, I guess it's because the kids are out of school. I didn't even think about that. And especially post COVID, you know, people are are like well i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm I'm going on a trip and i don't care and let's go see the grand canyon let's go to yosemite let's go to all these places it's fifty dollars just to drive through yosemite now and you, you don't you can't even you can stay in the parking lot at yosemite i think but don't quote me on that so what i'm doing uh obviously we've done podcasts i've done podcasts about the uh fuel situation and the way I'm handling that is by just taking my time. And my objective is I'm not even going to go to Minnesota this summer. Not even going to go to the Midwest. Not even going to go to Montana or North or South Dakota or any of that stuff. Because it's just, uh, there's just no reason. And I'm really enjoying kind of bombing around the, the Southwest as well. Uh, I came up to to Flagstaff and to the region in Flagstaff because it is sweltering in the desert. So even I had to seek uh, refuge from the desert. So heading slowly north on Highway 89 in the Coconino National Forest. It's beautiful, obviously. So to camp the last three or four nights, I'm looking at the map. What I did was I just blew off the... National Forest Service paid campgrounds because there's no way you could get in there. And I went north and I did find uh, a campground, Oak Creek. I think it's called Oak Creek. And it's uh, just north of a series of, um, of, of hairpin climbing turns. So it's at about three and a half thousand feet out of Sedona. Uh, that was pretty cool. There were ju- there were some hippies there and some other people, and I thought that was a pretty good. It was still really hot down there, so I thought oh, I'm I'm going to keep going, and I ended up going on up to uh, 89A and uh, Forest Road 530. I think it's 535, and I went up in there into the dispersed areas, and I stayed there for the last three or four days. Now, notwithstanding some irritations, I was having a pretty good time. I decided that I'm not going to stay up here for 14 days because I really wasn't level and, you know, there were a few other things which I'm going to talk about here. And then this morning I discovered that one of my connectors for 
my solar panel was hopelessly shorted out. So basically I said, all right, I'm out of here. I packed everything up and I came uh, up to Flagstaff to see about new cables and connectors for the solar panel. Thus, my long-term camping plans were disrupted. And if I had been level and if the situation up there had been a little different, I think I would have stayed longer. And I'll tell you about why uh, I feel this way. I really didn't mind leaving. I don't want to travel anymore staying a night in a parking lot and driving 500 miles and staying a night in another parking lot and driving 500 miles. If fuel is cheaper, I might be interested in doing that, but I'm learning a new way of traveling, which is, you know, taking your time and taking it in and taking some time to get to know people and and everything else. So I'm sure if I'd have stayed up there for a couple weeks, you know, it, uh, it would have been different. So I thought, well, I'll continue north and find another place that I can stay at uh, north of Flagstaff. And that was the plan. And uh, I really didn't mind leaving. Because first of all, the reason I kept going, uh, aside from the fact that I couldn't get a spot, but I was grateful because I didn't want to camp with the amateur you know, campers crowding the Forest Service paid campgrounds anyway. And then up in the dispersed campgrounds, it's a little bit more of a challenge. First of all, it's hard to get in. The road is not uh, washboarded, but it's got a lot of rocks poking up through the surface. And you got to kind of uh, be careful of those because they will pop your tires if you're not if you don't watch what you're doing and a lot of people won't mess with that especially if they haven't been doing this for a while because they don't want to take a chance on any of these forest service roads some of them are terrible i've been on some really bad forest service roads but most of the time they're okay it's just this one you're going up a grade you're so you're going upgrade and you're you got to watch out for rocks and stones and things so the other thing is with these dispersed dispersed campgrounds with this truck I would prefer to pull up into the site uh, that I choose, and this is why, the way that you choose them. You just ride along until you see a, a fire pit, and that's where somebody camped. And if you have to go down, well, you might not get out. So <laughs> what you want to do is drive up into it if you can. Sometimes when you drive up, you find out that there's more rocks and you can't get up there. So you got to stop, get out, walk up there, look around, and in that way you find some pretty good campsites and i'd much rather pull up because then when i want to leave you know i i turn the truck around and point outward and when i want to leave then i just roll out and so it's a it's a it's a lot easier and that's that's what i did but it is time to talk about these places that we're camping in especially actually the dispersed campgrounds in the national forests and the blm uh, campgrounds that are usually fairly hard to get into because unfortunately that does not stop the big groups the shooters uh and the other people who pay no attention to anyone else in the campground or quote unquote the rules and, and there are some rules and we'll talk about that in the second half of this podcast Shout out to Ryan Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the Bob Davis Podcast back in St. Paul when it comes to uh, keeping all of your systems operating these days at home or your business. 
uh, when you have plumbing or heating problems, air conditioning problems, you got to think about reliable service, and that means Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul. They've been there for 70 years. 651-224-4771 in Minneapolis. 612-927-6488. There's not a lot that Ryan has not seen, whether it's air conditioning issues or heating issues or uh, helping you run uh, your stuff a little bit more efficiently by recommending some new toilets or some new uh, systems. And you'd be surprised how much it can save. So remember, Ryan does residential and business. Check them out online at ryanplumbing.com. And thanks, you guys, for sponsoring the Bob Davis Podcasts. Uh, I'm not a Southwest native. And I've come to the conclusion that there's a lot of people here who aren't Southwest natives. But everybody who lives in the Southwest knows or should know that there's a severe drought going on right now. I've been down here since, uh, well, I've been all over the country, obviously, but I, I settled down for the winter in Quartzsite in just around Thanksgiving, like November, early November. And I haven't seen it rain I think the last time that it rained any appreciable amount, any measurable amount, was probably right before I left Dome Rock and Quartzsite, uh, and that would have been, I don't know, I don't even know when that was, I'll bet it was April. So that's the last time I've seen it rain. And, and in terms of rain rain, like we're used to seeing in Florida or in the Midwest in the summer. Uh, it's been more than a year since I've seen that kind of rain. Now, this doesn't bother me, but unfortunately, especially for people in Colorado, Arizona, California, uh, New Mexico, that means that there are fire restrictions when you go into these places. And God knows that I love a, com a campfire more than probably anyone. Anybody who knows me knows that I spent a fortune on firewood last winter because I couldn't get enough uh, juniper to burn because I just uh, loved it. You know, I pull into this dispersed campsite um, whenever it was, Thursday night maybe. I, I think it was probably Thursday night. Some people pulled in. As What they were doing is they were telling people at the uh, paid campgrounds down towards Sedona, we're full, but there is dispersed camping if you go up about 20 miles to 535 and 427 or whatever, whatever the other road was that they had opened the dispersed camping. Now, because of the fire restrictions, the ranger had told me that they had closed the dispersed camping, and a lot of the dispersed campgrounds were closed uh, south of Sedona, and a number of them were closed north of Sedona. They just kept these two other ones open for the time being uh, because they had a lot of people that just couldn't find spots in any of the campgrounds down by Sedona uh, to camp. So these people come in, Friday night and they were excited they had a lot of people a lot of kids and uh, they started playing their music super loud they were hooting and hollering and, and having fun and as soon as it was dark up goes the campfire and I I mean when you pull into the campground which is five miles down the down the rocky road it says no campfires absolutely no campfires absolutely this no absolutely no charcoal absolutely no fireworks etc and that would include sh shooting as well we'll get to that hello <laughs> it's just amazing to me and i didn't say anything because you know i've learned 
that you don't intervene. If you can find a ranger, you can tell the ranger and they can intervene. But intervening is a big mistake. Somebody did pull up in a side-by-side -side and scream, no fires. Fires start wildfires. Put your fire out. They just ignore them. In fact, I heard them talking the next day and they didn't really understand why that guy said that. And it's like, this question of self-awareness comes to mind, not to mention the constantly barking dog and the shouting and, and all the other stuff going on. So the next night, uh, late in the afternoon, the shooting started. Now, this wasn't real close to me, but it was close enough that it was pretty loud. And I had dealt with a similar situation at Imperial uh, a few weeks ago where some, some idiots were shooting right behind us and we called the we had to call because it was like and i told the law enforcement you know we didn't want to call because we we don't want to be that guy but we don't know where they are or which way they're shooting and we don't want the animals we got dogs down here we don't want them to get hit and we don't want to get hit and the cops are like oh we totally understand my you know my understanding also in the blm is that there are no guns allowed unless it's a designated area. I don't know about the Forest Service. So this shooting starts, and uh, before you know it, here comes the uh, U.S. Forest Service fire guy, and behind him is the Forest Service law enforcement guy, and behind him are two more white trucks that are unmarked, and they're going up, and then I, I heard the helicopters. My suspicions is that they didn't want shooting going on because shooting can also start fires. So they're super, you know, inflamed <laughs> about this fire issue and people just keep doing stupid things. And then there's the usual standard driving up for service roads at, you know, dusk like a bat out of hell. And this family that was next door to me had decided to take a walk about this time. So they're on the road and this idiot comes flying up the road at 45 miles an hour guns and shooting and uh, there's families around and everything else i'm not against guns I, I don't have a problem with that but there's a reason why you know they don't allow guns they don't it's not that they don't allow guns they don't allow shooting in these forest service areas because they don't you don't know where you are and you don't know who you're going to hit especially when there's drinking and shooting finally i decided to take a walk down this road and uh, Keep in mind, this is a gorgeous area. Beautiful trees, beautiful breeze. After being in the desert for eight months, you know, uh, it's just an amazing experience to be able to actually cover yourself up with a blanket in the, in, when you sleep and to be really in what feels like air conditioning to me. It's now I understand why people from Phoenix have cabins up in uh, Flagstaff because uh, it's just so hot down there in the desert and you just there's virtually no relief from it so people come up here because they can get up into um, the mountains so i decide oh i'm going to take a walk and of course uh, i find myself picking up other people's garbage that is why i gravitate to the nomads i gravitate to the long-term campers the people and you can you can tell because you can see how they build their campsites and you can you can see where they park their trucks and you can see what their rigs are that um the long-term campers and the long-term you know the nomads that are out there those are the people you want to be around just not too close because everybody comes up to be alone it is shocking to me the level of um just uh, insouciance among average American citizens these days to 
the the fact that they are so lucky to have a place like this to be able to hang out and bring the whole family and have such a good time and everybody wants to get out here especially the people in the deserts and so now we have this huge so-called uh camping vacation season and everybody has these bucket lists it's fascinating to me you go to the national parks people drive from one lookout to the next lookout take a selfie and jump back in the car willy-nilly before they have the chance to even see they don't even see what they're looking at and they they run to the next thing and take a picture and run to the next thing and take a picture and run to the next thing i'm you know i have nothing to do or or complain i don't want to be the guy that complains about people to take selfies i get it but it is just amazing to watch people uh, in what they perceive as enjoying the outdoors <laughs> and i i have to say i the way i handled it when i first started was that i just camped in walmart parking lots and slowly was drawn to these very wild empty places which we refer to as the forest service you know areas the u.s forests the national forests the wildlife areas where uh there's a lot of dispersed camping so you're not run right up next to somebody so i've been through the whole thing where you go to some campground and you're parked five feet from somebody else no thank you and i've been through the whole let's sit in the walmart parking lot and hope they don't kick us out and i've been through all of that so this is kind of a throwback this today where we're just going to hang out in the cracker barrel parking lot for the rest of the night and get the big buffet tomorrow and the dinner tonight as well because why waste food you know i hate to say that there are rules and there are because uh, because if we don't have the rules there's going to be garbage everywhere and i've seen campgrounds like that. see the blms are very lax in enforcing rules and nobody wants to camp next to an old bed you know nobody wants to uh, to camp next to a bunch of garbage and all they do at the BLM is they just let those people do that. And then once a year, they go out there and they just they just clean it all up. And it starts all over. You know, this is the only thing about the nomad craze. The only thing about the I've got to get out on four wheels and see the world. And I want to go out to the Southwest. And I, I've got this bucket list of I want to go to the Arches. I want to go to, you know, uh, the uh, Yellowstone. I want to go to Glacier National. I want to go to all these places and people forget that it's these aren't theme parks you know this is this is the wild there are wild animals there you don't want to pet the grizzly bears there are <laughs> there are and what do they do they bring their dogs and they bring their televisions and they bring all this stuff and it's like why are you doing that so i i identify with the reticence to just kind of let it all hang out and not be afraid to camp out in the middle of nowhere and i've forced myself to do it more than once so that now i don't have a, necessarily a fear of that but if you're coming out to the southwest this summer remember there's a drought and if it says no campfires it means no campfires so i want to talk to uh, anybody listening who is an hr person at their company or they make the decisions if you are trying to figure out how to keep your employees healthy and keep them on balance 
I want to introduce you to BU Enterprises. What they're doing is they're using Zoom, they're using FaceTime and special uh, other ideas at BU, part of the toolboxes at BU to help people get back in their bodies, to help people so they can be more effective at work. Last winter when I couldn't do yoga outside, I did some sessions with Juliet at BU and I was amazed at how much and how much of a big difference it makes. So if you're chained to Zoom, if you are chained to your desk, if you have employees that are concerned about wellness and you're concerned about wellness, then check out BU Enterprises. Click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com or visit buenterprises.com. I don't know why people are, um, maybe it's just that uh, people are so used to being in uh, controlled environments that when they get out, away from that they don't know what to do and they don't know how to act and it's a lore and and it's uh it's things that we learned when we were kids that you pick up your garbage you don't you know you don't act like an idiot (laughs) or whatever because uh you're not treating the wilderness with any respect in that case there's a lot to be learned and it's peeling an onion you go deeper and deeper and deeper in appreciation of the the wild the great outback the whatever it is in wherever you are and i think there's a lot of people that really don't they don't really fully understand what it is and they act crazy <laughs> i don't and i even though i was a tenderfoot in a lot of ways i never left my garbage laying around and i never acted like the fool and uh, I don't want to judge people because that's that's a harsh thing. What I see most of the time are just families having fun and people having fun and people uh, happy to be away from this controlling uh, atmosphere back in the in the land of the bricks and the sticks, back in the world, so to speak. So from here, once I can get on 89, if it opens up tomorrow, I'm on my way north. And... Uh, This forest fire made me think that we all have responsibilities because if you've ever been through a forest that burned, it's a sad sight to see. There are are mudslides, there's uh, tremendous destruction. And we, you know, I don't want to get into the causes for forest fires. I don't want to make it a big political thing, but all we can do, we should do. And if the sign says don't have a campfire, for God's sake, don't have a campfire. Thanks for listening to Podcast 1058, the Bob Davis Podcast. Time to go into the Cracker Barrel and have some dinner. (gasps) Boop.